Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. Nobody's surprised by this at this point. Fee for checking a bag, fee for having a carry-on, fee for, you know, being able to sit down on the plane. Like, you know that's coming, but somehow psychologically we discount that. I would absolutely say this falls under what Fred Reichelt would call bad profits. It's something that they are trying to hide and it leaves, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, a sour taste in my mouth. You know, you buy your bottle of water and then you're expected to pay an additional 15, 20, 25% for the privilege of buying your water. And again, I had to walk over, I had to pick up the bottle of water, I had to walk it over to the cash register. From my perspective, this is just another example of this additional fee. Ryan, we have a really interesting pickle today. Good, I like interesting pickles. And as I've been thinking about this, there's just so many examples that I think we're going to spend the show on examples of this stuff. So let me explain what we're, we're talking about here. So this is from um, a chap called uh, Brian Williams. And uh, apparently he and his colleagues have been discussing pricing in given inflation, should they be putting their prices up. But their competition haven't put their prices up now, so they don't want to put their prices up too much and then find out they're not competitive. And one of them come up with the bright idea that what they should do is they should keep the prices the same, but they should add some fees to it, okay? They've had this big debate about it, and what Brian's saying is is that he would like our view on whether they should be adding fees instead of just putting their prices up. Well, how flattering. Thank you, Brian. Before we dig in and try to answer this question for him, I'd like to point out, I think that this is an influence that I've had on you, Colin, over the years. You just called a pricing problem a very interesting problem. (laughs) And I like to think that uh, that's me rubbing off on you. I'm not sure how excited you would have been about a pricing problem (laughs) five years ago before my corrupting influence. I did hear the click of 27 million people switching their podcasts to something else more interesting. No, no, no. Every... Look, I mean, inflation has been a problem for a couple of years now at this point. Everybody's dealing with this. And so you cannot get around it. I don't care what industry you're in. Everybody's worried about how do you raise prices so you can keep the lights on, make enough money to, you know, confront all these raising prices. But your customers are also confronting with rising prices. Like, it's a problem. It's, it's a hard, hard problem. I just, I'm glad that you acknowledge how interesting my research is. now. Yeah, yeah. It's about as interesting as talking to you, mate. Wow. Thanks, Colin. Um, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to interpret that in the best way possible for me. And so I say thank you, Colin. If I can add a little bit more of a sarcastic voice to that, then I try. I always appreciate it. As I've been thinking about this, I, I think it's really interesting, actually, because, and I am getting like you, mate. I'm getting very boring because I've been... I've been <laughs> 
I, I've been I'm thinking. I'm getting boring. I'm getting to be like you, Ryan. <laughs> boring. <laughs> just so we're clear. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I've just noticed so many additional themes. Yeah. That, so can I give you a couple of examples? Please, please. Yesterday, uh, we were looking after one of the grandkids, and we said, shall we take them to the pictures, to the movie? Yeah, looked up, started to book online, and he came up with the price of the tickets. And in a little tiny tree at the bottom, it said, processing fee, I'm in England at the moment, three pounds, five dollars. And I'm thinking, yeah, you just think I'm not going to pick that up. And you've obviously have to put it in there, but you've written it so small that you don't, and I'm doing it over the bloody internet. Where's the processing of that? So that was one. That made me then start to think about, I'm sure Brian and his colleagues have had this debate. I also went to the, the famous Luton Town. Have I told you this? Let me waffle on about this. So I've been a season ticket holder at Luton Town, okay, football club, uh, for years now, for 25 years, took my kids and all the rest of that. You, you did call them famous just a minute ago. I'm going to let that slide. Famous. I'm going to let you, please continue with your story. Just, well, they're more famous than the that. Cleveland Browns, I'll tell you that, mate. So I think. Internationally famous Cleveland Browns. Yeah. But yeah, the, <laughs> yeah, the Luton Shire, whatever, whatever. Go ahead. Yeah. What were you saying? We are now in the premiership. We are, we are now playing Manchester United, Chelsea, Manchester City, Arsenal, Tottenham. I'm all sure the big they will do very clubs. well. We won't. We won't. <laughs> we won't do very well. But I went to Wembley to see the playoff final. Okay, and again, when I booked on, and I think this is through Ticketmaster, there was like a booking fee, an admin fee, and a processing fee. And I'm thinking, bloody hell! I know I like no seeing. Those are three separate costs to Ticketmaster. There's no, no way. And, and again, I'm online. Just include the bloody things in the price. And then I'm going to give you one other example, which I think is interesting because it sort of talks a bit about this. So in England, sales tax or VAT, as we call it, value added tax, is included in the product. So you go to the store and you go, I want to buy a pen and, uh, you know, it's X amount of pound, that's what you pay. In the States, our friends go to, when they come over and see us, they go to a store and they go, bloody hell, this is cheap. And they say, don't forget you've got to add sales tax. Yeah. And that, where I live, is 7, uh, 7%. So it's nowhere near the 20% that you pay uh, sales tax in England. But the interesting bit is it, it stands out in the States. And you start to think to yourself, mm, yes, that's an attractive price, but I really don't want to pay that sales tax. Whereas in England, it's 20%, and therefore clearly that's a lot, 10 quid, it's two pounds. And you're going, bloody hell, two pounds is going to the government. And all I'm buying is this tambourine or something that may be for the kids. Anyway, from a theory perspective and from a pricing theory perspective, hold on, let me just go and get my cushion so I can pillow so I can go to sleep. You've already admitted it. What's happening here? What's yeah. the theory behind what Brian's asking? 
there's a reason that these fees have become so common and so common in a time of inflation where raising prices is really tricky. All of these fees would fit broadly under a category of theory called uh, two-part pricing. Sometimes economists call it two-part tariffs. The canonical example would be like a razor and blade model where you you pay one upfront fee for the, the razor, for the handle, and then you pay an ongoing fee for each blade that you buy that goes into it. There's other versions of it where you just you're just splitting up prices, right? So instead of paying a single overall price, you pay kind of a base price. And then you incur a series of these fees afterwards. The theory that kind of explains a lot of that, including some tipping behavior, by the way, where we're splitting out that cost, that price, is this two-part or multi-part pricing. The research that's been done on this psychologically says that as annoying as we find those fees, and we do, uh, we hate them, but as bad as we, we react to them as customers we react worse to the higher upfront fees. So we can imagine like two restaurants across the street from each other and they both sell tacos and one of them doesn't charge extra fees. And so in order to make the kind of the numbers work, they sell their tacos for $8 a piece. Yeah. And the other one splits out and they've got, you know, they, they make you, you tip, they, they've got like a back of house service charge, they've got a processing fee if you want to use a credit card. And they sell their tacos for $5 and then there's $3 in additional fees. Overwhelmingly, people will tend to prefer, they would choose the $5 taco, right? That's like the headline price. And even like, even in the states where we know we have to pay sales tax. Sure. It's still like kind of back of, of your mind, right? Sure. This is part of the trick that hard discount airlines like Ryanair, they have this like really low baseline price. And then to actually fly, you need to pay an additional processing yeah. fee. Oh, you need to pay you want a seat. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. You want, you want to get aviation fuel. <laughs> you wanted to go through the door to get on. Oh, that's going to be an additional <laughs> 20 pounds. Like, so all the, and when you buy the ticket, you know that that's coming, right? Yeah. No, nobody's surprised by this at this point. Fee for checking a bag, fee for having a carry-on, fee for you know being able to sit down on the plane. Like you know that's coming, but somehow psychologically we discount that. Yeah, um, and we focus, right. we anchor on that base price. So the reason that firms do this, as distasteful as it is, is because it works. We react to it psychologically more favorably than we do when the price is all bundled together. Even if you, you might ask people and they would say, no, no, I'd rather know up front what I'm paying. This is one of those cases where people don't necessarily know how they will respond. So the technical answer to Brian is do it. Yes. There are, I mean, there are, there are exceptions. There are caveats to it. But yeah, if we had to make a blanket statement, customers will respond better to split out fees than they would to an increase in the base price. So let me debate this with you then, because I, you know, I enjoy a debate. Yes, and to be clear, we all wish this wasn't true. We all wish that, <laughs> wish that fees would go away. We wish that we didn't respond to them at all. We wish that we hated them as much as we, we say we do. But yeah, please, please let's debate it. So from a customer experience perspective, I would absolutely say this falls under what Fred Reichelt would call bad profits. Yeah. So 
it's something that they are trying to hide in the main you know not everyone's trying to hide it but in the main people try to hide these things and it leaves and i'm sure i'm not the only one a sour taste in my mouth yes yes yeah and therefore the interesting bit for me becomes the long-term effect on customer satisfaction and loyalty and whether that has been factored into the models that you're referring to so i can imagine if you're doing a test then in controlled environments as you do all very boring yep. um and hey. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> sorry i had a bad night but if you're doing a test with the the, the two bits then that would produce the results. But I presume no one's looked at the long-term implications of that or even the implications on trust and satisfaction and loyalty and all those things. You you are absolutely correct. Yeah. So when can you just Can you just repeat that, mate, a bit louder um, so everyone can hear? I'm not sure I could without, <laughs> like, dry heaving, like, without gagging in some way. <laughs> When studies like this are designed, when people look at um, like how this responds in the marketplace, we tend to be looking at the very short-term results of this, right? So another way to think about it would be like these two taco shops that I explained. I was looking at this from the perspective of which one would you choose to go to, right? How are you going to get people through the door? And the evidence there suggests pretty clearly that the lower baseline price is the one that works. In terms of who enjoys their experience at the taco shop better, like how negatively do people respond to these, the experience of getting these like thousand small cuts afterwards? That's kind of a different question. And to your point, should be factored in. Like, I don't, I don't think anybody, even if we respond more favorably to the initial low price than we do to the, the incorporated price. I think the question of what does that do to your experience, to your trust in the organization, these are all very good questions and ones that have not been as well researched. And so I think it, it is absolutely fair to wonder whether we might be poisoning the, the customer experience in the long term. If I was sat in front of the CEO or the C-suite, I would be suggesting they don't do this personally. And I, I wouldn't be backing up with any data, but I'd be saying, let's test it to be honest with you. And let's test the longer term effects upon things. There are a couple of prominent examples going in the other direction. So airlines, I don't know, a decade ago, maybe 15 years ago, started in the US, started adding these luggage fees, right? So prior you could get like two bags for free. And then they started saying, no, if you're going to check a bag, we're going to charge you whatever, $50 or something. And they, this was a, a two-part price, right? So you, you got your ticket price, but then, and then once a couple of airlines did it, then all the rest of them started doing it too. And so it became just a part of the flying experience. There are exceptions though. So Southwest Airlines does not charge for that. And it's become a part of their advertising. They pitch this. This is a benefit that they offer. So there are exceptions to this where you can say you are, you have to incorporate these other fees. I was actually a, a member of your team that pointed me to this, but British Airways had, I don't know if they still have it on there, but they had kind of an online calculator on their website where they say, look, 
if you think that you're going to fly to your destination on Ryanair for whatever price they're quoting. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, like, do you want to check a bag? Do you want to have a um, a carry-on? Do you want to, like, print your ticket out? Do you want to... They had all of these things, and you could, like, select and choose what you... what would, And they would add on the fees that the other airlines charge for these things. And at the end of it, if you made a couple of reasonable accommodations, it turned out the prices were not actually lower. And in some cases were even higher than the price that British Airways was charging. So there are examples where you can kind of like disaggregate your own price benefits or or aggregate your, your competitors and get some advantage there. Ryan, most of communication is about body language. We learned that a long time ago. I assume that's why you gesticulate wildly anytime you say anything. I agree, but it's the gesticulation that I'm doing off camera that you want to be aware of, mate. It's true. Our podcast listeners are not able to experience any of that. Which is the reason why we created a YouTube channel. So now you can watch me gesticulating to Ryan. That's right. It's not just his words that are flailing wildly. It's also his hands. (laughs) So if you want to check out our YouTube channel, just go to the link in the show notes. Or go to YouTube and search for the Intuitive Customer Podcast. Let's talk about another little bit of a controversial area, shall we? Let's talk about your taco restaurant. Because there's something that's been driving me around the bend recently. All right? So... I went into a uh, restaurant the other day in the States in Sarasota, and it was like a self-service restaurant, okay? I went, in fact, you walk up to the bar and you go, I'll have a sandwich, and, you know, and I've got salad, you know, and the guy adds all the bits, and then he gives you, you know, and, and also you go, you know? Because, I, you know, I love technology, I now do everything on my watch and power my watch, hardly carry cash around, and because of that, when he flipped around the unit, it then had a tip on there. Okay? And I thought, but you've done nothing. And that made me start thinking about this whole subject of tipping. Okay? And then it's made me start to think about the whole bit of, because people are paying electronically, and I don't know if everybody else has noticed this, the options that you get are eight in the states. We're typically tipping. Tell me if I'm wrong, but it's fi- between fifteen and twenty percent typically. Yeah, I mean historically for restaurants, the the norm was fifteen percent. Historically, is a long time ago. That's grown. It's now twenty percent is is starting to be closer to the the established. That's the bit that I'm. That's the bit I'm trying to get to, which yeah. is. Because what it, it feels like, what's happening, is tipping has been forced up and migrated. So the minimum that you can charge now as an option, you can do the custom button and then put the customer, is I think it's normally like 18, 20, 22%, okay? And then there's a custom button. And I've started thinking, so there are two things there. One is organizations that haven't, haven't charged for or have, don't include tipping, are starting to include tipping. And then it's how much do you actually tip when you are faced in that situation. I typically tip between 18 and 20%. I have to turn around and say, 
it, they, would, they'd have to deliver my food on a platter for it to be 25% or something like that. Yeah, no, you're right in both cases where it's, it's tipping has, so tipping has gotten kind of out of control in the US. It was always out of control in the US relative to other countries like uh, American payments. We tipped for way more things and tipped more than people in other places. It was just, it was part of the- I'll tell you what, when Americans come to Europe, the wait services love it. I because bet. Because they don't, they, <laughs> I they bet. don't They're realize. They're getting no tips because that's the culture there. And then they all of a sudden they get 10, 15, 20% for doing things. Yeah, so in, uh, in England, it's 10%, between 10 and 15%. Typically it's- 10%. Some, in fact, I was reading a report earlier today in preparation for this that showed that it's older people that tend to tip in England and it's typically around sort of 10, 12%. But uh, when we have American friends over, then they tip 20%. They go, yeah. yeah. No, of course. But yeah, like it's so it's, it's creeping into more transactions. I was in an airport just a couple of weeks ago and went into a little shop to buy some um, bottled water before my flight. And, you know, I waited in line at, at the checkout and, and it was the same thing. Like there was, there was no option to not tip unless you went into the custom and hit zero. Like there was this intense pressure to tip the person who, you know, I don't want to discount the, the work done by people working at a cashier, but this was not like an exceptional level of service or anything. This was now pretty clearly just an additional fee. You know, you buy your bottle of water and then you're expected to pay an additional 15, 20, 25% for the privilege of buying your water. And again, I had to walk over, I had to pick up the bottle of water, I had to walk it over to the cash register. From my perspective, this is just another example of this additional fee component. So the price of labor is part of the costs of running a business. And instead of charging prices that cover that cost, Instead, increasingly firms are holding down the price of labor by underpaying their employees and instead charging an additional fee in the form of tipping to their customers, right? So this is, again, this is just another form of two-part pricing. So for those people not living in the States, the average waiter, waitress in the States, the money they get is a is appalling, basically. Yeah, so the the labor laws in the U.S. are such that we have a, a minimum hourly wage for most types of employees, which has not been increased since I don't know the '80s or something. Like it's tragically low, but that that is for typical employees. But if you work in a tipped industry, so if you are a restaurant server, for example, you don't even make the the minimum wage. Instead, you make I think it's like two dollars and thirteen cents an hour or something. Like that's that's your wage. And then everything else on top of that has to come in the form of tips. So we can debate how insane that set of labor laws is. But regardless, it's kind of baked into kind of the, the, the labor laws in the US. And that means that that tipping is no longer kind of a polite indication of exceptional service. It is a core part of people's wages. Now, this airport kiosk worker i assume that she is not in this special class of tipped employees it was making me think mate. is i wonder where the break point is 
Yeah, it's pretty well defined in law as I understand it. And so sure. I don't think that you could get hired on to just any job and the employer could decide like, oh, well, then you're a tipped employee, so I only need to pay you $2 an hour. I think it is defined in law that like these certain categories. But regardless, like it is, there's now this intense kind of moral pressure <laughs> to tip employees who are, are paid in that way. But as you said, the, the amounts of the tipping has, has continued to increase. I think at some point we'll hit a breaking point. It does go back to an additional fee, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, so, yeah. you, you know, if I think of, as we were talking about the processing fee, the booking fees, the other one that I heard the other day, which was there was a convenient fee. Yeah. And you think to yourself, okay, well, no, I'd rather play the inconvenient fee. I mean, the, the difference between tipping and these other types of fees is that tipping is you know, nominally optional. Um, whereas these other fees, like you can't opt out of the convenience fee. That's just part of your bill. And so where this gets a little ugly from my perspective is that the companies can mandate these fees. These are just baked into the price at some point. Whereas the, the employees who might be relying on this stuff, they still are faced with people can choose not to tip if they don't want to. So there, there is some difference there. But yeah, they all fit under the same theory from my perspective. The other one that I think is worthy of note is that some of these fees are actually mandated by regulation. I don't know if you knew that. Well, sales tax it certainly is. Well, yeah, so sales tax, but there's um, other ones like with our famous cable companies where they have to put on the bill, I can't remember the exact example, but they're contributing towards this or the, this is a fee for that or whatever it may be. And that's mandated in in law. Yeah. So for some utilities, there are uh, regulated fees for like upkeep and maintenance and, and development. Yeah. And I, another one is like line rental. Yeah. Go, exactly. I'm paying my fees and then I'm paying it. Well, I don't want to pay a line rental. But again, those could be baked into the headline price, right? So it could be that like we're charging you $100 a month and that's it. Or it could be we're going to charge you $80 a month. And then when you get your bill, there's the, the line rental fee and the maintenance fee and these other things. So as I was thinking about this in a bit more depth, I was thinking, let's take the other view. Okay, let's look at it from a country position. And I could argue that adding additional fees or breaking down the cost adds to transparency and the customer can then see where how their overall cost is made up okay but that doesn't i don't see many organizations doing that and I, and what i've found is we actually used to do this in uh, the early days of beyond philosophy so when we used to sign up a consultancy agreement, we used to break down every single element of it and then put a price. Yeah, And then what we found was happening was that customers were comparing us, understandably, against other organizations. And they were saying, well, can't you reduce that fee or that fee? And you're going, well, I'm, you know, with the greatest respect, that fee that you're talking about there, no, we can't reduce that. May look big to you, but actually it's not. Especially you're now getting into well, what's the definition underneath, uh, underneath all of that. But I guess the, o the overall point I'm making is 
that you could argue breaking the fee down improves transparency. But I guess, in my again, in my personal opinion, that's not the right thing to do. I, I would much rather have this is the cost of it. I know what the cost is. I know I'm not being screwed. I know I don't have to look at my invoice to check that there's no bloody hidden fees there that are going to wind me up, up later, basically. I do think there's a difference too. There's breaking down a price and then there's communicating a total price piecemeal, right? So you could charge $100 for something and be transparent about where that $100 is coming from or not. Or you could charge $100 for something and then you could charge $80 for the same thing and then impose $20 of fees afterwards. And I think it's that it's that dribbling out the communication of the price that's really the problem and the issue here. There, there may be cases for transparency. There may be cases not for. It doesn't surprise me that you had, especially for something like a, a consulting contract, that you had people like trying to line item veto some of these costs because now that seems like an opportunity for negotiation. But I, I agree. I think there are opportunities for being transparent about stuff, especially if you've got to raise prices. There's still... Like, do you frame it as a single price or do you frame it as a base price plus fees? And I think that's a growing problem. What would you tell Brian in a couple of sentences? What would you suggest that he does? I think Brian needs to try to get into the heads of his customers and know what are they, what's their consideration set. If your competition is charging $80 plus $20 in fees, and you want to be noble and say, nope, we're going to charge $100 upfront inclusive of everything, you're probably going to lose business on the front end. Because just the way people process prices, yours is going to seem like a more expensive offering. If you're in an industry where it's not clear that like everybody else is already shifting in that direction, you might have more flexibility. On average, increasing side fees as opposed to increasing base price is going to be more palatable to customers in the short term. Sure. I do think that it is really important for you to consider though that customer experience going forward. So although that the science seems to be settled, this is the best way to attract customers initially or in the short term. As we discussed earlier, it is not clear that that produces the best experience and therefore the best rate of return all those kinds of factors. So it's, it is something that you need to, to balance. On average, even though we all hate it, there's a reason that firms keep doing it. And that's because we respond to it whether we want to or not. Yeah. Just in summary, my view would be, I don't like it being done, but I would build on what you're saying is, I would test it. Yeah. I would yeah. test it having the counterbalance of the longer term effect and I would test it not just going, well, how much are we selling? I would also test it based upon what's the experience that I've been given. And I would project both of those things out to be able to turn around and to see what that analysis is. And look to see if you can turn it into a competitive advantage, like like Southwest yeah. Airlines did or like uh, British Airways did. Like, Don't assume that these are your only options to add fees or to not. Are there ways that you can turn this into a differentiator and, and be very loud about it? That's it. Good. Okay. All right, everyone. I hope that's been of use. I hope that's uh, helped, Brian. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Okay. Cheers. 
Thanks very much for listening to the show today. We really hope you've enjoyed it. And if you have, it would be really great if you could leave us a review. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcasts. We look forward to talking with you next time on The Intuitive Customer. 